brought to you by Insight Counseling Centers. This is the Integration Podcast. A podcast to discuss difficult but relevant topics where issues of spirituality, psychology, the arts, and society all intersect. Hi, I'm Hannah Feliciano, a newbie therapist with a passion to work with underserved and minority populations. Over the years, I've loved serving others through taking mission trips to Mexico and Africa, working within the Hispanic community as a community organizer, and teaching ESL classes. I have a heart for the arts and at one point in my life studied to be a worship pastor. I've gone through my own personal journey through depression, anxiety, and chronic pain which led me to where I am now, obtaining my degree as a marriage and family therapist to serve others in their own journey towards healing. And I'm Eric Schaefer, and I've spent half my life outside the church and the other half working in a church setting as an ordained pastor in youth and family ministry and as a senior pastor. I love experiencing other cultures, and I've led over 100 short-term mission trips around the world to places like Scotland and Hungary and Belize and Molokai. I've also worked for Young Life in an inpatient adolescent psychiatric hospital. I have a film degree and a master's in divinity. I love learning and experiencing God through relationships, the arts, and other cultures. So thank you so much for being with us, Carol and Dwight. Um, We're very excited because this is our very first podcast the integration podcast where we are discussing topics like spirituality, um, faith, therapy, and uh, psychology, and society, and where those things all intersect and how those things affect us. Um, These are things that we need to talk about, topics that are important to a lot of people and um, we're just really excited that you guys are with us and that you're taking some time out of your busy schedules to <laughs> sit down with us and share your wisdom. Um, so thank you, yeah, first sure and foremost. Sure. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm glad that um, we are doing this. I'm yeah. encouraged by this conversation. And I am super excited. This is um, Eric. You guys will will recognize my voice. Hannah's background is she's a therapist, and my background is is 20-plus years in ministry. So we are kind of coming at this and integrating our two backgrounds as well. Dwight, I want to start with you. Just tell us a little bit about who you are and how did you end up in this kind of job? Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, my name is Dwight Hughes. I'm a native of Nashville uh, right here in the city. Um, who has returned home after being away for about 30 years Mm -hmm. since graduating from White's Creek High School. I am a third career person. Uh, The first season was in the area of management with George Pacific Corporation in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, The second season involved serving a United Methodist Church or United Methodist Churches as pastor in Georgia, in Kentucky, and in Virginia. So that's about 13 years. This work is an extension of my call as an ordained United Methodist clergy person. Uh, The Counseling Center is my ministry setting. Uh, So how did I get what brought me to this point? Mm -hmm. Well, the whole journey. Mm -hmm. But I would say it really took a turn when I did doctoral work uh, at Wesley Theological Seminary. I was working on um, a degree in pastoral Uh, counseling, and a part of that program entailed 
200 hours of internship in a counseling setting. And I did that at the Peninsula Pastoral Counseling Center and just loved the work. And whereas I had envisioned this as something I would do in retirement, mm -hmm. it became so gratifying that I said, I think I want to do this now. <laughs> wow. And so it was, a, it was a culmination of that, having served a church that was really taxing, so I was needing some respite. And uh, also, I'd been away since um, graduation, of graduating from high school, mother's aging, and just sort of all of these things sort of climaxing, and the longing to be back here in Nashville. And so I'm here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love that. Carol, how about you? Tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up doing this line of work. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a big question. So, it is. It is. <laughs> it is a big question. So my journey uh, began turning this direction at age 16. Um, I experienced what for me was a, a milestone in my faith development as a call to full-time Christian service. It was kind of nebulous at that point, didn't know what that would look like. I'm originally from deep south Mississippi, and that is uh, very traditional. And so thinking about how, as a woman, I would be in ministry, there were not many paradigms for me. So I was thinking, okay, God, I'm willing. I'll go to that tent in Africa if that's what you intend. And literally to the point that when I got home after making a public profession of my call, my father said, I don't want you to go to Africa. <laughs> so it really was the cultural expectation that that's the only door of ministry open for me as a woman. So I went to college with a, a major in religion, and I was one of two women in the whole religion um, major at a Baptist college in South Alabama, Mobile College at that point. Now it's Mobile University. And only two women with hundreds of guys in this program. And um, in the course of that training and learning, I fell in love with psychology. I, I had not had psychology in high school. I just avoided that topic. But in, in college, uh, that really opened some doors of a ministry in my vision that I had no reason to have this vision was to be in some place on a church-related staff to do ministry of counseling with persons of faith. So that has just grown over the years. Uh, my husband and I met in college. We married after college. He came to seminary. I was applying to graduate schools in secular psychology. And then I learned about pastoral counseling at the seminary in North Carolina. And I thought, oh, this is it. This is where, that's that place God is nudging me. So I, I, my major, I went to seminary and did a major in pastoral care, pastoral theology, family ministry, and did an internship as a chaplain, followed up my seminary experience with an internship in singles ministry in a local church. And then just over the course of time, went through doors of ministry that opened. Pastoral counseling doors did not open then. 
ministry with families on church staff did. And so I was on church staff in part-time or full-time position for 20-plus years. And then that nudging to do the deeper soul work just rose back up in me. And I came to the past, then known as the Pastoral Counseling Centers of Tennessee and said, all right, what do I do to do this work? Uh, we were in Nashville. I was serving on a church in Nashville. And I came to um, our former executive director here and said, I want to do this work. And he told me what I need to do. So I went back to college, got a clinical, I got a master's in marriage and family therapy so that I could be licensed in that or area. The faith tradition that I am a part of does not easily ordain women, which I would have needed to have been ordained to follow the other path as a licensed clinical pastoral therapist. So I went for a licensed marriage and family therapist. And I've been, uh, then, then I came back and said, okay, give me a job, and he did. And so I've been with Inside Counseling Centers for over 10 years. And it is just the sweet season of my life to be here working with individuals and couples and families and then mentoring new therapists, especially in spiritually integrated therapy. So, Yeah, I think that's, that's awesome, Carol. You know, I think that being here in the Nashville area, you know, we know there is a lot of, there are a lot of people who care about spiritual issues and, mm -hmm. and have issues of faith and it's a predominantly <laughs> Christian area and yet there are other you know, we know just trends where they're leading mm -hmm. as a country as a whole that it's not just Christian anymore. So even right. though you guys both have uh, a background in, theologically trained in kind of mm -hmm. the Christian um, area, how do you how do you see working with other people of faith or people who are kind of the nuns who don't really say that they are of any religious or spiritual affiliation mm -hmm. and how does that come into play when you're um, when you're doing your work well um, for me um, you know my task as a therapist is to leverage the clients spirituality and if they don't have one um, what I will do is hold space or hold hope for them. Um, but I'm looking for any, any values that the client comes in mm -hmm. to the room with that I can then uh, help them to see that they can leverage that mm -hmm. as part of their work as they address uh, their yeah. presenting issues. So, and then I don't have to be an expert of faiths, sure. right? Um, but then there are some things that, like hospitality, like justice, mm -hmm. uh, some concepts that you can find in many faiths, if they do come with faith. Sure. Not to mention how those who come into our agency um, and they've been hurt mm -hmm. by a faith tradition. So, mm -hmm. so, so there again, you know, my role, I see my role as, as bracketing my uh, belief while holding hope because they may not have the hope that they need to do the work yeah. or think that they can get through mm -hmm. the crisis or the distress that they're in. Yeah. And so that's mm -hmm. sort of how I yeah. mm -hmm. uh, manage that piece. I love mm -hmm. that phrase that you said, that holding hope, mm -hmm. because 
that in and of itself that is that is such such a powerful way of looking at the work you do um mm -hmm. and that right there i think that's probably you know Mm -hmm. that that propels you forward I would imagine mm -hmm. um, but then I also think of so you're in this work now as therapist but you also have done years and years of ministry mm -hmm. and so I'm wondering how how that's been for you guys mm -hmm. being a therapist and then also have having done ministry mm -hmm. and what's the difference well how mm -hmm. do you how do you live <laughs> out your role as a therapist and then how mm -hmm. how is that different from when you were in your pastoral role and what what can people expect you know within therapy that might look or be a little different than if they were going to seek like spiritual care or from a pastor and what are those scopes that you're able to kind of work in and what's the difference okay so i'll try to bite off part of that <laughs> so you know i think um for me, in the work that I do now as a therapist and as um, supervisor, it is a ministry. So it, it, it fits for me in, in the work that I am called to do to um, bring uh, the life that I see emanating from God to others uh, um, and hold hope. For them to reach for that life and ask about that and search for where that could show up for them. So I see this as a ministry. It's, I don't even see it as an extension ministry. So my view of this is that in the, in the concept of all persons being created in the image of God, this is just another way of bringing wholeness to a person, um, and it doesn't have to be connected to a church to do that. Yeah. God is not limited to any church in, in my belief system. So that means I'm just continuing to do ministry. I'm meeting everyone with the respect and the hope and the compassion that I would have if I were still on a particular church staff. Um, as far as the difference between those roles for me, I think the difference is, is exactly as Dwight said, that the client uh, uh, brings their lens and their particular faith or no faith experience, and that is where you begin. And the, the, where we go with that, that is different in the therapist position than might be in the pastoral position is that we go with that the place that the client wants to go, the place that they can catch the vision to go. I'm just opening space for them to consider it, reflect on where they are and what that might mean they're really longing for. And then holding space, if they want to talk about that from a faith lens, I'm good to go. If they want to talk about that from a values lens, that's good. If they want to talk about it from just their angst, that's okay. So let them lead with their language helps them then already have handles to tie a new idea or a new reflection on that may bubble up in our conversation. 
with a pastor, my role may have been to be more directive in discipling, in teaching and training. This is what faith looks like. With the client, I'm letting them decide what faith looks like for them. Um, I had the I had the really the privilege of many years of leading um, chapel for little ones, two and a half years old, three years old, four years old, just very little kids. And they were from all faith backgrounds, some um, not Christian, but maybe Jewish Christian parents, every combination you could you could imagine. And one of the things that I was struck by was there was a spiritual spark in every single kid that I worked with um, at this age. And they would shout out things about, you know, I see angels or, you know, I pray to God and he talks back to me. And, and, and the prayers were from the heart and they were powerful. And then, you know, I've also worked with older kids and life gets in the way and, and all that stuff kind of gets squelched. Um, and I guess where I'm going with this question, Dwight, I'll ask you first, is I was struck by, by the, the thought that these two disciplines, the, mm -hmm. the theology dis discipline or the um, pastoral discipline mm -hmm. and the discipline of, of therapy or counseling, it seems to have gone in different directions. I guess the question is, first of all, why do you think that happened? Um, and second of all, speak more, Carol already started down this path, but about how we can merge those two disciplines back again. So merging, um, first question is, why do you think they went in different directions um, where therapy really just has left out the faith side of life? Hmm. If you disagree with that, that's fine as well, but. Um, Well, I don't know if I can speak to that because, and it could be because of my lens, meaning I've never, I don't envision them as being separate. <laughs> sort of, it's, so, so this work for me is an extension of my call or yet another trajectory of my call to ministry. And... I guess to get at the question, I was ordained to preach the word, to administer the sacraments, and to order the life of the church. So that's very directive, right? I was, you know, take thou authority and do these things. But just as Carol mentioned, in my ministry in this setting um, is more of coming alongside the client so the results are not, um, I'm not left with the charge to make this happen. Uh, rather, I come alongside the client and co-create uh, goals and um, treatment plans and strategies to get them to where they want to go. So you sort of see the difference? I'm not sure if that gets at your question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it does. It does. Okay. So I could add to, to that, Dwight, with some of my, because I began my journey toward um, integrative counseling from a young age, 24, 26, um, and recognizing and watching the literature diverge, I think I might can speak a little bit to that, in that I think um, 
that counseling actually uh, originally was part of the ministry of the church hundreds of years ago. We were the wise counselors for the community. We existed before psychology existed, before the discipline of psychiatry existed. Counselors came before that. Be, seek wise counseling was an instruction in Scripture, right? Hmm. In Holy Scripture, not just Christian Scripture, by the way. Seeking mentors, seeking uh, uh, um, other leaders of faith. Well, it was, it's part of being human. Seek wise counsel. Seek wise people. So I think the divergence came as science and the ability to research and quantitate things grew, especially in Western culture. We decided that we had to be able to count things to be able to say they were valid. Well, there's a lot about therapy that is just not quantifiable. You can qualify it. You can do qualifying research to show movement, but to quantify Mental health is really not a very easy thing to do. But in the desire to do that, the discipline of counseling became the discipline of psychiatry, became a part of the medical model that you had to quantify and treat then with drugs. And the movement continues to kind of do in and out. On this thing right now, there's more of a, a resurgence across um, mental health disciplines, whether it is social work, or um, doctorate in psychi- psychology, or in psychiatry, or in marriage and family therapy, as it is in spiritually integrative psychotherapy. There is a movement more to look at the whole person. Well, that calls for integration. Yeah, yeah. I was reading a little bit about different um, research that has been coming out about um, clients talking about whether or not they would bring up spirituality with their therapist and if they think that that's something that it belongs mm-hmm. in the therapy room and about 60% of people said, yeah, I want to talk about spiritual issues mm-hmm. uh, with my counselor. This is important right. to me. So. You know, and that was a smaller study, but still, mm-hmm. it's really interesting and fascinating mm-hmm. that this is something that's important to people. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, yeah, the trends are kind of resurging that people mm-hmm. are saying, wait a second, spirituality mm-hmm. is hand in hand, goes hand in hand with, with psychology. And I love your point, Carol, mm-hmm. that this has actually been something that people have been going to their spiritual leaders for, you know, <laughs> millennia. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it goes. Yeah. Very far back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so thank you for that. E- either of you, I, I, am, I am someone who is moved by storytelling, testimony, mm-hmm. um, and I'm also, I'm also fascinated by the counseling process about getting people mm-hmm. from point A to point B. Um, most of us would like to go in a straight line, but in theory what we do is we go all over the place, sometimes backwards before we ever make it to point B. But, um, 
and I I appreciate your point on on how it's hard to quantify this, but but share with us maybe uh, what would a success story be, or 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 a story of a a client who you left and said, you know what, this was this was good work here. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. I can leave unless you want to go first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, trying to think of a um, uh, just one success story um, brings up a few for me that are just really sweet spots. And one of the things that keeps me motivated to keep doing the work. Mm-hmm. And that would be an, an example would be um, a, a person that came to me just um, beginning to have so many emotional eruptions, getting angry too fast or crying too fast or having fear kind of overtake them at different points in their life, in the home, in the workplace, and just couldn't make sense out of why all this emotional dysregulation was happening in their life. And uh, began to unravel their, I mean, began to open up their story to me over time about how where they were at that point. There was a, a, a point of a decision of, of changing their life course. Well, were they ready for that? They were at that point where the, the last child in the home was getting older about, and they were anticipating they were leaving. So they were at a life stage transition. They were at a point of, I'm bored in my work. I, I just, it's not fulfilling anymore. They were looking at how much life possibly they had and looking at their resources and thinking, but I can't quit. So they felt stuck. You know, they couldn't yet get rid of the kid because the child wasn't grown enough to leave. They couldn't yet change work because they didn't have enough resources to go back and get retooled. So that angst was just bubbling out and coming out in all of the different parts of their life. So as they shared their story and they were able to be met with compassion and understanding and boy, that makes sense to me. Just validation for all of the emotional eruptions Uh, That helped settle them enough for us to look at. So how is it you're solving your problem of stuckness by erupting emotionally rather than finding another path? And that began the conversation of, oh, I could do something other than that. What else could I do? It just opened up the idea to explore. Mm -hmm. And we after we began to find different resources that the client had thought they didn't have in, in their scope of, of um, community and began to find ways to resolve and listen to the angst to find their new path, to find the corner that they needed to turn. So... That was a success story. It took a little while. It was, you know, over time. But it was great to watch the person unfold in a new blooming, a new season. You know, we have multiple ones in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. 
I love that imagery too of a person unfolding and blooming and mm -hmm. what that looks like. You know, that's always kind of been imagery that speaks to me. And mm -hmm. I think that the it's really just such a precious honor and gift to be able to walk with with these people who a lot of times you know speaking of hurt in the mm. church may not have felt comfortable sharing some of those things in church mm -hmm. settings or sometimes have and have gotten you know just felt mm. judged or things like that so what a what a gift to to be able to to do that with with your clients um mm -hmm. and so just yeah mm. <laughs> I love that. Dwight, story jump out when I... Oh, man. I mean, there, there are just so many stories. Uh, when you said that, I just became flooded <laughs> just thinking about a story. But I guess uh, I'll pull from a recent story. Um, this is a, a pastor uh, who came about eight weeks ago, and uh, his presenting issue was depression. Of course, he didn't he wasn't sure that he was depressed. His wife sent him, and he came willingly. And by the eighth session, uh, he comes in, and not only does he come in, but he brings his wife along with him. And I saw them approaching the building, so I went out to help them in. And she looks at me, and she said, you have helped my husband. Mm -hmm. I have my husband back again. And I'm saying, wow, I said, I'm merely a vessel. And she said, I know that, but he's a changed man. And so that's one that I'll lift up. And his way of um, communicating uh, a very gentle spirit was to write. Mm -hmm. So throughout uh, our time, I, I saw him, and these were his strategies, where he was writing certain things. Uh, he had a church hurt scenario. Mm -hmm that rose for him because he was having a nephew that was experiencing a hard time in, uh, mm. in a church that he was serving, which triggered him. But um, so, yes, this, this client, um, he's, he voiced that what opened him, that what really helped him was for me to name that he was in a season that he had, had never experienced before. He's aging. He's losing um, some abilities while trying to care for his wife, while still trying to be in ministry uh, in the neighborhood that they live in. But he was getting so frustrated because he didn't have the energy uh, to do as much as he wanted to do. And his wife said that if he could not um, return a call or check in on someone in the neighborhood who he knew was having an illness that it would it would impact him in a negative way so him coming to grips with what it meant to age and for me to sort of normalize for him hey don't be so hard on yourself you've never done this before yeah. right uh, he said that really freed him but uh, so they brought a card he wrote a really sweet card uh, they brought a a, a jar of jam, and the wife had to meet me. And if that wasn't gratifying, <laughs> I don't know what was. Thank you. Love You're that. Welcome. Wonderful story. So you've been speaking about your, just your experiences with these different clients and, you know, thinking about 
kind of from the client perspective or someone who's thinking about maybe calling to set up an appointment, um, it can be really nerve wracking. And, um, you know, if they're already kind of in a state where a lot of things are difficult in their life and just making that phone call, um, you know, takes a lot of courage. And what would you tell someone if they were thinking about making an appointment um, and about maybe any misconceptions about therapy or counseling or what it looks like or um, if that makes sense? Sure. Well, it does make sense. I mean, when you think about trying to find someone that you don't know that's a stranger and you want to talk about things that are bothering you in your heart, you know, that's, it's not surface level stuff, you know, it's big stuff to, to go deep with it, with it, someone. So I think the, the thing that encouraged me the most was that uh, when I was seeking my own therapy was that, you know, this person is not there to tell you you're living your life wrong or right or whatever. They're just there to listen and to step in and support and encourage and help you find your way. And we think in our um, put your put your dollar bill in and get your um, immediate response back that it's going to just be a, a pay for deal and that's all you get. But really... Therapy is more about just developing a relationship. And if if we take away the, um, let me pay for this and then I'll get X, Y, Z back and just think about finding someone who is willing to engage in a new relationship with you to help you have a better relationship with yourself, then that might help. What what helped me call was someone just said, you know what, it's always going to be uncomfortable. It's always uncomfortable to meet somebody new. It doesn't matter how good we feel about ourselves. It's always a little bit uncomfortable. So courage happens when you just go ahead and do the uncomfortable because you have an idea it might help. And if it doesn't help, you can always stop. You know, there's nothing that says you have to do this. It's totally your choice. So, yeah. I don't know how helpful that was. That's, but that's very what helpful. I would say. And you know, um, I w- I'm I'm really struck at by what both of you were saying in this idea of um, I had a friend who who, for whatever reason, this this quote stuck in my head. The best chance at being your truly genuine self is when you are in a therapy session, even more so than maybe your conversations that you have with your spouse or your brother or sister or best friend, but in a situation where you don't feel judged, where, as you said, it's a relationship. Um, from the therapist side, how do you respond to that that statement? Well, um... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what you're so, talking about is is a very intimate setting and experience, right? Yeah, and yeah. and and I would think, hearing your backgrounds, um, you both have said you were you were born to do this, you were called to do this, and somebody comes in and shares the most genuine part of their life. That is an intimate setting. 
It is, and and I would say that it it certainly happens in the room, but but I would like to think, or my prayer, my hope, is that an individual can find that or experience that, especially in a in a romantic relationship. My my prayer, my hope is that that they that they will have other settings uh, where they can feel so safe and and know that they will not be judged, that they will that they can be uh, themselves, that they can be genuine and congruent and authentic. So uh, that that's that's why I was pausing. I was kind of kicking back there. Yes, it we certainly allow that to happen. Uh, that's our that's our prayer. That's our hope to provide a. Uh, non-judgmental, um, authentic place and space that's and, and safety for clients. But boy, do I want people to experience that beyond the counseling room. So I think to build on what you're saying, Dwight, yes, I think definitely when we come with such woundings from our current patterns and ways of relating, that sometimes it is definitely the need for a particular person that is trained in cultivating safety that can help that client heal some of those wounds enough to then go out and create that safe environment for themselves. Until someone knows what a safe environment is, they don't know what to look for. And I'm thinking of a a woman that I dealt with for many years, two women actually, and both of them for many years, that are um, had um, adverse childhood experiences. Both of them significant trauma. One of them very very young. The other one in very young adolescence. And they had a skewed idea of what was a good relationship. They had no experience of what safe was. Hmm. So their, they, their preset to approach life was one of a hypervigilant state. They didn't know how to just be and it be safe. And so that was such an honoring work to be able to craft that space for them for a long enough time for them to decide Oh, that's what this is. And then to begin to discern in their relationships with coworkers, their relationships with family, when it was there and when it wasn't, and how to lean into insisting that it be there outside of therapy. So with that, I agree in part with the quote you said, Eric, that sometimes therapy is the only place a person will experience that. And I agree with you, Dwight, that it is our hope that through therapy they can learn how to craft that for themselves beyond therapy. That makes a lot of sense. And I think about just the fact that, you know, a lot of people do kind of put walls up or not really know who they truly are. And if they have never been given a an experience where they've been able to live yeah. in that and be accepted truly for who they are. Yeah. You know, that, that to me is kind of what, what therapy can be. Um, and, yeah. and then it, it can go beyond that. So it can be like the first 
place if they've never had it before, like some of your clients. And then the hope is, yeah, to continue to take this and, and be that in other areas of of their life. Um, and speaking of just, um, you know, we all have experienced things and (laughs) I don't think you're probably not drawn to this profession if you haven't kind of experienced some pain Mm -hmm. or gone through some things yourself. Um, I know that, um, we've talked about this before, Eric, just how sometimes how, you know, we can feel just kind of really screwed up. And what does that, what does that mean? Is our, how, how does that play out, you know, in the, in the therapy world? Like, you know, we kind of touched on this, Carol, you said that you've, you've sought therapy before, but you know, Uh I think people sometimes put therapists on this pedestal, like they're untouchable and, that they've got all everything together and they are perfect almost. And I don't know, can you just kind of speak to that um, kind of being on your own journeys and, you know, how therapy has helped you if you've gone and, um, you know, just that idea of kind of, kind of taking away that, you know, idea that therapists have it all together. (laughs) You want to go first? Yeah. um, Hannah, I'll start out with that one. Um, Well, you know, you're talking to a person who, well, let me go back. So my sweet sweet spot in this work has a lot to do with around couples, Mm -hmm. around grief, um, and infidelity. And so uh, I'm a person who experienced divorce, uh, had a... uh, an abbreviated courtship and marriage. It was during my seminary years. Mm-hmm. So that train went south. Um, and while going through the, that impacted the ordination process. So this mm-hmm. is where my church hurt piece mm-hmm. comes in. Uh, so the divorce really mm-hmm. set me back as it relates to, um, in the eyes of some, being fit mm-hmm. for ministry. and. You all probably don't know this, but it was it was in a counseling room uh, at the Vine Street building where I was a client. (laughs) So I'm now serving in the very agency that that I received my healing levels of healing. So. um, So, yes, I mean, and and I think that God um, uses that when you think of well, me and my heart being kind of sensitive and attuned to uh, what it means to be disillusioned, um, what it means to be put aside and said, you're, you're not fit for ministry, that kind of a deal. So I can really resonate with clients, uh, even if they don't come in, f- you know, with those things, mm-hmm. but the, 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 the dynamic of mm-hmm. being left behind or disillusioned mm-hmm. or, you know, pain is pain. Yeah. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can identify yeah. with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I love that image of wounded healer, right? Henry Nouwen talks about That's that right. in his first That's books right. we read in uh, seminary, right? Yeah. And and, and yeah. in some ways, thank you for sharing that sure. story. Yeah. It, it uh, humanizes therapists, certainly, and it also, um, I'm drawn to that because there is sure. there's a give and take. And, sure. um, right. Whether you're sitting on this side of the the desk or the other side, there right. there is a, it's a fine line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that our own wounds just are are ways that empathy is increased mm. in all of us. 
it's um you know and and so i think a therapist that has experienced wounds has a deeper well mm. of empathy mm. and when i'm training young therapists i tell them that all that stuff is just fertilized <laughs> It, it helps us mm -hmm. grow richer, fuller lives mm -hmm. as we move through mm -hmm. the pain and the struggle and the process, not to minimize the pain, but the pain also has a good work to do in healing our mm -hmm. souls. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. I'm not sure where I heard this. It might have been a professor or a, at a training, but I remember them speaking about how the relationship, the, the client changes the therapist mm -hmm. sometimes as much as the therapist mm -hmm. changes the client. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And how beautiful that is. And oh, yeah. also, you know, in, in my picture of who God is, that kind of resonates with that, how yeah. it's so beautifully exchanged mm -hmm. and just met where we are and just that acceptance and that beautiful like collaboration and mm -hmm. um so yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. comforting with the comfort with mm -hmm. which we have been yeah. comforted mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah that's it's beautiful to think about mm -hmm. yeah any last comments as we we kind of finish up here from either one of you about uh <laughs> our discussion today or well you, you know we, we we at minimum and I, I really want to hear Carol on this, and then I want to chime in too. But at minimum, <laughs> we have we have got to see if we can craft um, this definition for spiritually integrated yeah. counseling. Uh, it, it's such a huge concept. Um, that that I think uh, I want to invite Carol to wrestle with it. <laughs> <laughs> because I've been wrestling with it, and and every time uh, someone asks me, uh, my response comes out differently. Mm -hmm. That's how huge it is. Mm -hmm. And so it's helpful for me to think about what spiritually integrated care is not as a starting place, right? So it's not me using biblical texts and or Christian doctrine to instruct clients on what they should be thinking or doing uh, as it relates to their presenting issue. Nor is it me employing religious uh, sanctioned techniques to cure a client. Uh, for example, uh, reparative therapy and or electroconvulsive therapy, heaven forbid. Rather, it is an invitation uh, with the client's consent to leverage or help them assess their held practices and, be and beliefs to see how it might aid in addressing their presenting issue. Now, that's just a start. <laughs> that's, it's, it's huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's huge. It's a huge concept. It really is huge. It really, it absolutely is. I, every time I answer the question, I give a different, a different piece of it as well, Dwight. I appreciate you bringing that to the forefront of this conversation. Um, for me, it, I, I am a big picture person. I see the big picture, I see the big patterns, I see, and then in that, seeing that, so I can, I'm a master reframer 
for clients. That's a skill that we train young therapists in is being able to reframe the situation to help give a different view of how things are just so that it might open up a different option for a client. So as I reframe this concept of spiritually integrative therapy into everyday words, for me, it means we are following the client at the place of their existential angst. Now that sounds like I've just exchanged theological language for philosophical language. In a way, I have. In a way, I have. But it's a different language, so maybe it helps. Um, but for me, what that means is it is a core, whole person issue. Whatever could, because often the big picture pattern that is involved in the distress that's presented has to do with a core issue that is existential. It's about a anxiety about purpose or anxiety about identity. Who am I? Why am I here? What am I doing? Where am I going? Or it's an issue of why? Why do bad things happen to good people? Those are existential issues. We say existentialism is a philosophical idea. It's a scriptural idea. It is a faith idea. It is a, if you will, spiritual idea. What is life doing in me right now? And how do I follow movement in life is how I would put it in more of a current spiritual language. Yeah. I'm just thinking of something actually my dad has told me, <laughs> and I want to share it with you. Um, I don't know who came up with it. We can Google it later. <laughs> but I remember a conversation is just bringing this to the forefront. He said, Hannah, sometimes we have to ask ourselves, are we humans living a spiritual experience or are we sp spiritual beings living a human experience? Oh, oh I and love that. That kind of just kind of sums up this. Yes. <laughs> you know, so. Yes, I love yeah. that. Because <laughs> yeah. what that says is that, and that is the definition of spirituality mm -hmm. that I live mm -hmm. with, which is it's about the whole yeah. being. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just like that lens you're looking through, you know, right. mm. and maybe that just needs to be switched <laughs> and yeah. that can help. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Thank you both. I think this is a good place to, to, um, to stop. Thank you for sharing uh, your stories and a little bit about what you do. And uh, this has been great. Yeah. Okay. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank Integration Podcast is sponsored by Insight Counseling Centers, restoring lives to wholeness, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually through quality and compassionate counseling services for individuals, families, and couples across Middle Tennessee.